At Pennzoil, we have one job. Pioneering a motor oil so advanced, you don't have to think about your motor oil. Instead, you can think about how your engine sounds, how your stomach feels as the RPMs build, how your wheels hug the curves, and how, with the Pennzoil Platinum up to 15-year, 500,000-mile protection guarantee, your adventures will be many. Pennzoil. Long may we drive. Find it at Firestone Complete Auto Care. Enrollment required. Keep your receipts. Other conditions apply. See Pennzoil.com slash warranty for full details. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the best ever Big Mac burger. Take it away, Hamburglar. Bravo, rubble. He said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, rubble. He said, rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble indeed, my friend. Try the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Exclude stacks. Must be opted into rewards. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own adventures in the Spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining into another adventure in the spirit with Jared Lasky. Fireborn Ministries exists to see Jesus awaken this generation to the power of his wonderful Holy Spirit. And guys, I've got a new e-course coming out called Entry Level Prophecy available on, it's going to be live here real soon, probably today or tomorrow on charismacourses.com. But I love the wonderful Holy Spirit. So I've got another opportunity for you to plug in and enroll in the Fellowship of the Holy Spirit e-course. And before I introduce my very special guest with an incredible conversation today, I want to show you guys this commercial about the Fellowship of the Holy Spirit you can find on CharismaCourses.com. Do you want to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Do you want signs and wonders to take place through you? Do you want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover or people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Are you looking for a game-changing move of God? I believe that it begins with our fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm developing the Fellowship of the Holy Spirit e-course I know will equip you and empower you to walk in the love and grace and power of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, know Him better. I believe that this e-course will equip you and empower you to walk in the power of God and it will benefit your church community, it will bless you and your small group. I am Jared Lasky of Fireborn Ministries. And that was the Fellowship of the Holy Spirit e-course available for you on charismacourses.com. Guys, today I'm excited to be introducing you to Pamela Christian. She's a fellow podcaster on the Charisma Podcast Network alongside this podcast and many other great great podcasts and, and people that I've met and had an incredible time with. She's got her program, TV program, her podcast program, Faith to Live By. She's a prophetic messenger. So we're talking about the prophetic. We're talking about the current season. We're even talking about the last days. Pamela, thank you so much. 
Thank you so much. I apologize for coming on Adventures in the Spirit. Thank you so much for having me, Jared. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure to serve Pamela. Uh, I'd read an article, uh, listened to a podcast about what, what God is doing. I know we're going to go there here in a little bit, but I always like to get some background uh, about my special guest. So I would love to know how you came to know Jesus, how you came to fall in love with our risen Savior. Well, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, far from it. Uh, but occasionally my mom would let my sister and I go to church with a neighbor or an aunt and so in Sunday school, I learned about Jesus. She made it very clear that Jesus could be my forever friend and save me from hell. And she explained that hell was a terrible place. And I didn't really know what sin was as she talked about it, but I did know what a terrible place was because that described my home. Hmm. Uh, I think looking back, my mom probably let my sister and myself go to church just to get us out of the house while our dad was sleeping off the night before. <clears throat> my parents ultimately divorced and that left myself and my sister on our own a lot and made me ripe for the world to live according to the world. And I did completely. Mm -hmm. And I was almost 30 years old, having made a complete mess of my life when I finally called out to God and let the Lord know that I was aware that I had had him in my life as an insurance policy to prevent me from going to hell, but he wasn't Lord of my life. Mm -hmm. And I said, if you're really the good loving God that people say you are, and you can make something good out of my life. I need you to because I've only proven I can only make a mess out of it. And I told him then that I wanted him to be both my savior and my Lord. And the instant I prayed that with all sincerity in my heart, I sensed the transformation. And there has been nothing but a fast track for me moving forward because I felt like I had a lot of a lot of wasted years to make up for. Amen. And there is a difference between Jesus being our savior and being our Lord. Could you elaborate on that difference? Well, actually, it's a package deal. As I've since learned, you can't have one without having the other. And a lot of people are deceived. Uh, they also think about Jesus, as I did, as an insurance policy to keep us from going to hell. But you really need to have your life completely submitted to Christ in order to have all the benefits that he offers. Oh, that is so good. Yeah. Last night I was on a program, my friend's program, and we were talking about even what we call the sinner's prayer mm -hmm. and the difference as to what it actually meant to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead in, in the apostle Paul's day. Right. It meant a completely different style of life, a uh, lifestyle, you know, potential persecution, death, things like that. And that's something that people don't like to hear, especially in our culture. But um, I would love to know about how you stepped into prophecy you know, you're a prophetic messenger. You've got some powerful, you know, encounters with the Holy Spirit. You're, bibli you're biblically sound even because some people in the prophetic movement are not, unfortunately, but we need more of that. So when I, I read your stuff, you are solid on the scripture. And I so appreciate that doctrinally sound, you know, but what is the role of prophecy today? I think the role of prophecy today is the same as it's always been, and that's for God to give warnings and encourage his people and provide us a way of escape. Before I get too deep into prophecy, let me say, first of all, I am exceedingly grateful for the written word, the yes. Bible that we have, which is also known as the Logos word, because it gives us a plumb line or a reference so that we can test anything we hear that's claimed to be prophetic. Uh, so I'm very grateful for the logos or the written word, but there will be times that we will hear uh, what's claimed to be prophecy. And we need to take that prophetic word and with discernment and prayer and go back to the Bible, go back to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit how he wants us to 
uh, understand the prophetic word, what he wants us to do with it. Not always are we supposed to go public with what we hear from the Lord. So good. So good. I love that. Yes. And um, some of those things, uh, you know, I, I love prophecy. You know, it was actually through dreams that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and then eventually, you know, got a hold of my life. It took a, a few years to submit to the Lord, you know, for me, but it, he was speaking to me prophetically and then, you know, ha- have had to grow, but also pay a price. But there was this um, article on Charisma News and Sean Akers, who's a friend, a mutual friend of ours, who's who writes for Charisma News, Charisma Magazine. He wrote about an interview that you'd had with Steve Green on his podcast, Green Lines. And Sean Sean wrote this. He said, despite COVID-19 and the chaos, confusion, and division taking place in not only America but around the world, he, he says, she says, so he's referring to you, true prophets know the real truth and the victory they already have in Jesus Christ. They don't need to speak fear and failure. When people talk like that, and he's quoting you, when people talk like that, especially prophesying, then I have to question it. Then the article goes, quoting you, saying, God warns us not so that we focus on the gloom and doom and hide in a cave, but so that we can be equipped. He doesn't want us to suffer. He wants us to repent and do what's necessary to avoid it. So we are in a place of a second chance right now. And I want to be one of the forerunners who are really helping people take charge and be part of the remnant that makes a difference in our country and in the world for the kingdom of God. So I would love for you to elaborate on this and what is mentioned as fearful prophecies. Yeah, I'm really disappointed with the number of influential Christian leaders that are preaching doom and gloom. And I want to just explain that, you know, for decades as has been borne out, uh, the demographic surveys by Barner Research Group and the Pew Research Foundation, Christianity in America has been on a serious decline for a number of years, probably about 40 years now. And this is all while the church or Christians uh, seem to be ignorant of the reality of our faith, people falling away from the faith. And the church is not operating as it should to be a a restraining force against evil. We've seen the increase of the secularization of society. And rather than the church being the influence on the world, the world has been an influence on the church. And I really like what Lance Wellnow said. Uh, He said the church has been acting as spectators trying to avoid controversy. And in so doing, we have actually created, in my words, a generation of people who are going to hell in a handbasket that's been woven by the church. It's a very unfortunate reality. And I believe that what we're experiencing right now as the second chance actually started with the presidential election of 2016. And God has been waking his people up for this entire time. And now more than ever, are we being forced to see and decide and discern what is truth and what is fiction? What is What are lies and deception that we're being subject to? Oh, that is so good. Yes, because there are a lot of prophetic words even. And sometimes, now we're both in a prophetic ministry. We love Jesus. We love the word of God, the logos word, as you'd mentioned. But Sometimes I feel that some people want to merchandise the prophetic and they're compromising the scripture. They're t- compromising Jesus, the purity of the word of God. Right. And sometimes you could even see different prophets are competing. Mm-hmm. They want to have a better word compared to the last intentionally viral article that another person had and they they want to keep kind of 
it, it gets weirder and weirder and weirder doctrinally. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe in some forms of spiritual warfare, but there are some concepts out there that I am. How could there be a fox demon or a a, a water demon? And it, ugh, where where's the, and they they quote scripture, but it's scripture taken out of context. But when it comes to a current word about fear, because fear tends to go viral quickly. Mm-hmm. I believe that prophecy needs to glorify Jesus. I believe prophecy cannot should not contradict the scripture. It does need to be tested. There's the encouragement, comfort, and edification. There is warning. But for some reason, especially as our nation, as our world is hypervigilant, hyperaroused, traumatized even with what is taking place, the fearful prophecies go viral. But we also don't hold people accountable when it does not happen. So there's this, um, I had listened to your podcast episode with Steve Green. And I normally I normally don't do this, but I had to weigh in on the prophecy by Dana, Pastor Dana Coverstone. Right. And there's there's a lot of conflict about this. Overall, what would you like to say about his prophetic word? Well, first of all, he seems sincere. He seems humble. He doesn't seem to be somebody who's trying to merchandise the prophetic word, as you talked about. Um, and by his own admission, he's not a prophet. Uh, and when we receive a word from God, we need to seek the Lord. As I mentioned before, we need to find out what the Lord wants us to do with this word. It may not be a word to be, to go public with. And I think in pastor Dana's case, um, he was stricken by the visions, the dreams that he had, it bothered him. He did test it a little bit. Uh, and from what I understand, he did share his visions with people from his own church uh, initially uh, several months before he actually went public with them. But Proverbs eleven fourteen states where there is no counsel, uh, the people will fall. But with a multitude, multitude of counsel, there is safety. And I believe what Pastor Dana failed to do and probably out of inexperience, immaturity, was to really take his word with others who are experienced in the prophetic word and find out their counsel. Yes. Yes, there are prophetic roundtables for a reason. There are advisory boards. There are prophetic ministries that have been tested, that have been weighed, that have been purified, purged, that are still standing. There are others that have disappeared, you know, like they they burn in and burn out and they're gone in like five or 10 years. Um, When it came to his prophecy, you know, from from I I could tell he's he's a humble person, Mm -hmm. but. I had to question his track record. I had to question who has he submitted this to. Uh, he even said that he wasn't feeling well that night already. You know, so what was that? Was that dietary? Was it a spiritual affliction? You know, um, but then he said some things militarily. I'm a veteran. I, I've been to Iraq and Afghanistan. I've, I was a Marine. I've been in combat. And he said about the United Nations in D.C., on the ground so the blue helmets and then he also said he saw and he was talking about november of this year mm-hmm. and I, I you know these are his words i'm not taking them out of context unless someone can correct me or he can correct me he said that he didn't see trump in office leadership was missing but he said chinese and russian soldiers were on the ground but also united nations so i was like is he making a clear distinction or is are these chinese soldiers and Russian soldiers part of the UN, but it, it seemed to me like he wasn't 
he, he was saying that they were separate. My thing is, is in the year 2016, there were 107,000 United Nation troops, mostly overseas. In the United States of America, there are about 1.5 million U.S. soldiers stateside, not deployed. And this is just soldiers. So if something were to happen in Washington, D.C., I don't think the United Nations would have an overwhelming force. Who would get there first? Our troops. First, the National Guard on the state level. Right. And then federally, hey, if, if, it, if worse comes to worse. You know, so militarily speaking, I think he was off. You know, um, and there's some other things that he had said as well. But but what else would you like to say about this? Where I, you know, I don't want to question the man's integrity. No, I do want to question the potential source. Johnny Enlow had shared and Dutch Sheets have shared some things about the word. And um, one of the things about prophetic ministries, people tend to have a way out card, mm-hmm. you know, like if it doesn't happen, it's because we humbled ourselves and prayed. The conditions, I think that there are conditions to prophecy. There's obedience to prophecy. But this was so fearful. There was no redemptive track to it. Exactly. That was the, the red light for me. You know, we need to understand so clearly fear is of the enemy. The Lord is never, the angels, when they appear before people, they always say, fear not. That's the first thing they say. So if, if a prophetic word uh, elicits fear and anxiety, it is not either presented correctly or it's not from the Lord because the Lord will always provide a way of escape. Are, are the perfect example is Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. God says in that one that uh, if, if the, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or I command the locusts to devour the land or send a pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear their prayers and I will heal their land. Yes. God always has a redemptive offer in anything that may include some fearful events. And, you know, according to Dana Coverstone's prophecy, I didn't hear that, right. that, that value, that, that redemptive value that should be that, that divine strategy to, for prevention. God doesn't want us to suffer. He wants us to avoid suffering. That's why he sent Jesus. The yeah. only one who wants us to suffer is the enemy of God. It, it can be so clear if we just keep it simple. Yes. So good. I love that. It can be so clear if we keep it simple. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I've actually screenshotted a part of what he'd said about, hey, if I'm wrong, then message me. Tell me I'm a fool. I, I'm paraphrasing the word. So I was like, just in case. <laughs> um, but, you know, th- those are the things that he'd said. But um, I was listening in on um, your podcast with Steve Green, and you said something that had caught my attention. You'd said that we are not in the last days, or maybe you said we're not in the last of the last days. And would you mind expanding on that? And even on this, and you have this book called Prepare for the Harvest, Confidence in God's End Time Harvest. You talked about prophetic timetables. So would you mind expanding on whether we're in the last of the last days and the prophetic timetable? Right. And this was really fun because I never really had much interest in eschatology. I knew that there were different schools of thoughts by people who are much higher educated than I am. And I figured it would just turn out exactly the way the Lord wants it to. So I wasn't drawn to it. But I kept hearing a lot about the billion soul harvest. Uh, I think it was Bob Jones that originally coined that phrase. And the Bible talks about a great end time harvest. And Jesus asks us to be praying for the workers of the harvest. And I got to thinking, if there's going to be a number of people rush the church and show up on any given Sunday, are we even ready? 
And so that began my thinking about the end times. So based on my study in writing the book you mentioned, which is uh, Prepare for the Harvest, Confidence in God's End Time Promises, and then the follow-up book, which is Prepare for the Harvest, God's Challenge to the Church Today, in writing those two books, I learned more about eschatology than I ever intended to. Uh, One thing I realized is that people are more interested in exitology. They want to escape the tribulation that's told about in Revelation. And I've got some very definite thoughts about that. I'm sure many of us do. But the main thing for my statement to say that we're not in the last of the last days has to do with, A, the harvest hasn't happened yet. And B, Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 4 to 14, that many, see, see to it that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name. I am claiming the Christ, and they will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. These things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginnings of birth pains, and that's where I believe we are in God's timetable. Awesome. And in your book, you were mentioning, you know, uh, you know, the prophetic timetables. And I know some people have a tendency to Americanize our eschatology. Right. Now I said something and, you know, this is, we're having an incredible conversation and it's okay for us to disagree between one another. But um, I'd said last night on a friend's program that America is not in the Bible. Right. And that we have a tendency, we look at the current state of the world right now with this, COVID-19. Right. I think it's been blown out of proportion. Uh, I think it's been politicized and weaponized. Um, And I think people on the left and the right can see that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to America, we, we have a tendency to take today's headlines and force them in the Bible, or we try to take the Bible and force it into today's headlines. And it sells, it sells well. Mm -hmm. I've been, around for almost 40 years and the the beast the antichrist was the soviet union that fell apart then it was communism and then it was saddam hussein for the first gulf war and that fell apart and then y2k was coming and that didn't happen 9-11 so why do you think people have this escapist mentality when we should have dominion and authority to bring the gospel around the world In one word, we've been deceived. In two words, complacency and apathy. I'm really sorry to see that the fire uh, in the belly of Christians is not what it should be. Again, referring to Barna Research Group, 75% of Americans profess to be Christians. But if you break it down, 25% of that group are not born again. The other 25% are born again, but they don't let their faith dictate their everyday lives. The remaining 25% are more serious about their faith. But even in that group, only 7 to 9% are truly living their lives in a way that can make a difference in the world. Wow. This is this is one reason the word of God, well, let me back up a little bit. Jesus gave us the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, right? We're supposed to teach everybody, baptize them. That's what we're not doing, clearly. If you can look at the research and see that Christianity, especially in America, has been on a decline, we have not been even fulfilling the Great Commission. So what is our excuse? Because Jesus said he gives us all of the authority and all the power, his authority and power, and he will be with us till the end of the age. What excuse do we have not to be busy about our father's business? And is it any wonder then why Peter, First Peter, I believe it is, says that judgment will begin with the house of the Lord? Ooh, ooh. So what do you think is taking place now 
in the church because I'm going to be honest. I'm saying some things here that I normally don't say, but I see promotions taking place in the church and I see a lot of demotions. Mm -hmm. I see churches that should be a city on a hill becoming uh, a hermit in a, in a cave right? Okay. and trying to escape, waiting for the rapture. You call it exitology because it's it, it makes us feel better. If the world is going to hell in a handbasket, it makes us feel better that, hey, we don't have to worry about this. We're going to be caught up and, and raptured, right. but um, we're supposed to occupy until right. he comes. We're supposed to be offensive and defensive as a church. Right. So what is taking place now in your prophetic spirit what what is god showing you with covid-19 and the state of the church now is some some of the seeker sensitive churches i think are going to have a harder time as they've compromised and have gone the way of what the media is saying even to the point of saying sunday church is non essential mm-hmm. when the church is more than essential it's mm-hmm. the bride of christ yeah we absolutely lost this battle this is very mm-hmm. unfortunate that there are not more Christian leaders rising up against this mandate that church would be closed. Uh, I can I can deal with the masks. I have an, another opinion about them. I can deal with the masks, and I can understand how that puts other people in a better sense of comfort. But to say that church should be closed, and even here in California, that we're not even to sing or chant, as Governor Newsom said, it's unfortunate. Um, but I think addressing the idea of exodology, that's another deception from the enemy. The rapture, we don't know when that's going to happen or how it's going to happen. And the, I'm sorry to say, the Left Behind book series that were so popular, as well as the late great planet Earth by Hal Lindsey, that was the catalyst to this new perspective about the end times. The orthodoxy and the early church believers did not think like we do about the rapture. So that's really important for us to get back in the word of God and know what it actually says. But here's something too, Jared, that I think you'll find interesting. It really interested me whenever I discovered it. I'd always thought that the end times would come around the year 6,000 from creation. And I based that simply on a, the thought that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and he rested on the seventh. So the seventh 7,000 year would be Christ's millennial reign. It was just a simplistic point of view without anything to support it. But then as I started writing the two books we've mentioned, I learned that this in right now we're in the year 5780 on the Hebrew calendar. And I also learned that teachings from the rabbis in tradition is that the Messiah must come before the year 6,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that reveals we are not as late in God's timeline as many people seem to, to want to believe and are fear-mongering others to, to I, I love that. No, you were, you were on point. I, I, I've done some free, you know, Zoom conferences on, on end times and on what I believe from the scripture, from my search, my study, as I was trained in Bible college, a Pentecostal Bible college in pre-trib, pre-millennialism, and then uh, a fundamental Baptist seminary where I got my MA from. They were dispensational premillennialists, and then my MDiv from Regent University. But through personal study, through personal time, um, I think I'm more of, uh, I, I believe it's more positive eschatology, more victorious eschatology. You know, there is some prophetic things that are still yet to come. But for the most part, I think that the majority of revelation has already been accomplished. But I've looked into the the epistle of Barnabas. It's it's extra biblical. But as you'd mentioned, the rabbis and there are other teachings out there, the epistle of Barnabas, because I've shared this in my, my webinars, 
he talks about the six day creation correlating with 6,000 years. And this is very interesting to me. And I, and I, I'd share that because he says, just like Peter said, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. And they had a Pesher interpretation of scripture, six days of creation, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day, 6,000 years. Very, very interesting. Right. Well, here's another evidence for us to consider. Jesus is not going to return for a wrinkled and spotted up bride. He's coming for a spotless, pure bride. And the church is far from that right now. That is so good. Yes. Yes. So good. Because when people are like the, the, the exitology, the escapism that they that they bought into, because left behind is great fiction. But theologically speaking, I don't think it's there. You know, God bless everybody that believes it. It's what we've been taught, you know, but we, we need to go back to the word of God. Right. We need to see what Jesus said. We need to see what, what the Father said. We need to understand the first century church's understanding because they interpreted scripture differently than us. We tend to put our politics and our culture and our mindset into it. But um, Pamela, this has been an awesome, awesome conversation. I'd love for us to hit one more time on, on, on exitology and just what the church should do right now in this current season, because I'm in the state of Virginia, you're in the state of California. There are things coming down the political pipeline that is infringing on our constitutional rights to worship Jesus freely, even our free speech. Things, Things have been exaggerated, manipulated, politicized, weaponized, and the church's people, Christians have been deceived. There's a lot of emotion walking into a store with a mask or without a mask. Right. What is God showing you that the church needs to apply right now in this current time? Well, again, this is a great awakening. This is a time that the Lord is revealing the corruption and the evil that has been allowed to grow on the church's watch. And so he's giving us an opportunity to see exactly how bad things are. We've only touched the surface of it. There's going to be a lot more exposed this year. And that has been my prayer for the Lord to expose the corruption and to bring about his justice. So as I was praying that even uh, in the late part of last year, I was really overjoyed when I heard other prophets saying basically the same thing. So, I mean, because that was just my private prayer. But then I heard other prophets saying that what the church needs to do is wake up and take responsibility, and to take a stand. I think that this wimpy Christianity that we have in America, I'm about to get emotional, is a travesty. It is trampling on the blood of Jesus. We have martyrs of the faith all around the world. And of course, the early believers gave their lives because of what they believed and what they knew to be the truth. And we have got the church waffling all over the place. The church itself is deceived. The enemy is in the camp of the church. We need to understand that unless we examine what we believe, we can easily be deceived and not aware of our condition because that's the nature of deception. So what the church needs to do, what each individual needs to do is to examine what they believe and why they believe it to make certain their faith is based on truth. So good. Thank you so very much. Um, What is the best way for people to get a hold of you for, for your ministry if they've got any questions? Oh, yeah. My main website is PamelaChristianMinistries.com. Awesome. And you've got a podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network called Faith to Live By. That's also the name of my book series. So get a little uh, branding going on there. Oh, I love it. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. I want to elevate people. I want to share the word of what God is doing through your ministry. 
Um, I've got a, a PDF copy you sent me of Prepare for the Harvest, Confidence in Kids in God's end time harvest. I devoured it. Uh-huh. Thank you so very much for that. So I want to recommend if anybody's interested in the conversation or parts of the conversation we had today to check out your website and then to get your book, prepare for the harvest confidence in God's end time harvest. Would you mind praying over us? It's end time promises. Oh, end time promises. Okay. I, I typo my bad. <laughs> Would you mind praying for us? Oh, thank you. Heavenly Father, how I am so grateful that you are who you are. You're immutable. You're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The promises and the prophecies that you gave and the character and your will and intentions for your people are true at all times. Help us, Lord, to be discerning. Help us, Lord, to come back to you on anything that we're attempting to deposit in ourselves as truth and add it to our faith. Lord, thank you for waking up your people. Thank you for always providing us a way of escape. May we be people with, with whom you find faith, Lord. Help us all in these perilous times. Yes. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pamela, thank you for being part of Adventures in the Spirit. Anybody watching now, watching later, listening in, please subscribe, rate, and review to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky on the Charisma Podcast Network. It's available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Charisma, anywhere you listen to podcasts, and Pamela's podcast as well, Faith to Live By. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Jared. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation and Adventures in the Spirit. We hope that Adventures in the Spirit encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. Subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own Adventures in the Spirit. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.